welcome listeners to season six, episode 12 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char, and my pronouns are she, they. And I'm Kelly, and my pronouns are they, them. And this week, we're watching The Hunt from 2020. But first, <laughs> we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to melt the snowflakes. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. This episode will contain discussion on classism, racism, prejudice, and performative allyship. If any of these things are something that you need to not hear about today, feel free to skip this episode and we'll see you next time. So, as you can probably tell, yeah, I made this one a doozy. I don't know. We made this drink too. We don't stand by that. It was a joke. But, uh, of course. Of course. I call this drink PR Nightmare Screwdriver, and this is how it's made. Um, so for the entire day, I've been infusing chili vodka with rosemary, and I was in a mode where I was like, I know what I have. I just don't know what I'm going to do with it. And then I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to put orange juice in it. So <laughs> uh, we have oranges, so it's fresh, freshly squeezed. Um, and just to, you know, turn it up a little bit of a notch, uh, I put a dash of pickle juice. Um, nom, nom, nom. So one to one of the vodka and orange juice. And then, I don't know, however much pickle juice you feel comfortable putting in your drink. Uh, what do you think of this drink, Shar? It's very refreshing. Hell yes. And it's got some kick to it. For sure. I don't. I thought the pickle juice would stand out in a weird way, but it doesn't. Everything feels very kind. Mm. I don't know what I don't know how to describe (laughs) it. It also feels very sort of like summery turn to fall, which I think fits the the nature of the film very well. That's perfect. Yeah, I've used pickle juice in. And it smells good. Sorry. That's true. It, smell, <laughs> it smells very good. Um, I've used pickle juice in like Caesars and stuff. And this is kind of like a savory, I guess. Or like, I don't know. There's like a certain category of cocktails that I'm almost afraid to delve into because it can go very wrong when you start putting <laughs> hot sauce and pickle juice into things. Um, is there hot sauce in this? Uh, whatever the vodka, whatever chili vodka is made from. So oh. it's just capsaicin and vodka, I assume. Um, but I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Like Caesars and all those things. Um, although I do love Caesars, but anyways, the, uh, (laughs) the orange juice does a lot of work to sort of harmonize everything. I imagine chili vodka and pickle juice, not stellar, but the sweetness and, um, tanginess, I guess, of the orange, uh, is almost that, that middle ground between everything to make it, like you said, very refreshing. And I think making it out of actual freshly squeezed orange juice also made it feel so vibrant. Hell yes. And I very much feel that initial kick when you first take a sip where you're like nasal cavity gets hit with the chili and you're like, ah, (laughs) let's say I did that intentionally so that all the other flavors can follow when your Mm -hmm. nasal cavity is cleaned out. (laughs) Nom, nom, nom. I call this one a success. I agree. It's pretty dang good. I also think that our patrons are awesome, just like this beverage. So Mm. shout out to all of our patrons who help make this show possible. We couldn't do it without you. And I want to say thank you to Diana S, Nicholas G, Jacob M, Aiden V, Aiden V, Jackie V, sorry, Aiden T, Ollie A, Roxanne B, Les Represent Podcast, Colleen D, and Aubrielle. 
I try to mix it up and then I just bamboozled. You're becoming yeah. one whole unit of patrons. <laughs> <laughs> the whole Thank thing you. is just uh, you, you've memorized everything. So now that you try to mix it up, it's um, you're fumbling over your lines. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we watched The Hunt, which premiered on March 13th, 2020, written by Nick Hughes and Damon Lindelof and directed by Craig Zobel. It stars Betty Gilpin as final girl from Mississippi, Crystal, Hillary Swank as corporate asshole turned murderous asshole Athena, and Wayne Duvall as white man survivor Don. I could not think of anything else to categorize him, so I just <laughs> said white man. Podcasts, white man. He's not the one from the podcast. Oh, no, That's he was Gary. the one. Right. He was the one that wanted to go talk to, like, news organizations and stuff. Yeah. This synopsis was taken off of IMDb, and thank God it is a reasonable length, so I didn't have to make any changes. Here we go. In a group text, Athena Stone anticipates an upcoming hunt of deplorables at a manor. Later, on her private jet, she kills a man with a stiletto who staggers out from the cargo hold because he, quote unquote, woke up too early. Eleven captives wake up gagged in a forest for the hunt. In a clearing, they find a cache of weapons and keys to their gags. But upon retrieving them, five are killed by an unseen enemy in brutal and somewhat comical ways. Three captives escape over a barbed wire fence to a service station. The station's owners, an elderly couple consisting of Miranda, Ma and Julius Pop, identify their location as a point on Route 31 near Elaine, Arkansas. The three escapees, each kidnapped from a different part of the United States, realize their situation's similarity to the Manor Gate conspiracy theory. One of the three eats a poison donut and collapses, while Ma and Pop, who are among the captors' ranks, kill the rest with poison gas. They then clean up the station for the next person to come in. A fourth captive, Crystal Creasy, arrives. Asking for cigarettes and their location, she makes conversation with Ma and Pop, and later they get nervous. Crystal then attacks and kills the couple with a sawed-off shotgun the couple had under the counter, and she reveals that the cigarettes were too expensive for Arkansas. Inspecting the pickup truck outside, she finds a Croatian license plate underneath a fake Arkansas plate and a booby trap wired to the driver's door. She later encounters another captive, a conspiracy theorist podcaster named Gary, and warns him from taking the truck. They board a train car full of refugees whom Gary believed to be crisis actors. The train is then raided by Croatian soldiers. That's hard to say. Croatian soldiers. Bro, Croatian soldiers. <laughs> See? <laughs> the Cro the Cro those Croatian, Croatian soldiers. When Gary tries to convince the soldiers of Manorgate and the refugees' perfidy, I don't know what that word means, but they're fake, I'm assuming. <laughs> a refugee crisis Mike admits to Gary that he and only he is an actor and one of the hunters, but says the raid was not planned for and offers a head start for Gary's cooperation. Gary uses a grenade the actor had hidden to kill him, and Crystal is taken to a refugee camp. Crystal there meets another escaped prisoner named Don, and Oliver, an envoy from the U.S. Embassy in Zagreb, arrives to take them to the embassy. On the drive there, Oliver probes into why they were selected for the hunt. This causes Crystal to become suspicious, who kicks Oliver out of the car and runs him over. She and Don find Gary's body in the trunk with a box marked bribe money and a map. The faux envoy was indeed one of the hunters. Crystal tells Don the story of the jackrabbit and the box turtle. 
a version of the tortoise and the hare in which the jackrabbit kills the box turtle after losing. At the envoy's intended destination, which is shown to be close to where the captives originally found the weapons cache and were subsequently killed, Crystal kills the hunter she finds and wounds their tactical consultant, Sergeant Dale. Athena calls out to Don via radio, asking if he killed Crystal. When Don refuses to disarm, Crystal kills him. She tortures the wounded Sergeant Dale to get Athena's location and then kills him as well. A flashback reveals that Athena's group text exchange was a joke. However, it was leaked on the internet, creating furor over Mannergate. Subsequently, the group text participants, whose careers were obviously ruined, decided to make Mannergate come true. They abducted people who shared and produced internet materials relating to Mannergate and who were also terrible people. Racists, homophobes, hunters for sport, etc. Athena is personally offended by a social media post Crystal had made about her and insists on her inclusion, nicknaming her Snowball. When Crystal confronts Athena, Athena mocks Crystal's personal history. Crystal tells Athena that she's confused her with another Crystal from her hometown, but her middle name is spelled May M-A-Y rather than May M-A-E. Crystal and Athena get into a drawn out epic battle, eventually impaling one another on the two blades of a food processor. Athena dies, but Crystal gets a second wind upon seeing a jackrabbit appear near Athena's body. She cauterizes her wound, dresses in Athena's clothes, takes her dog and leaves on her jet. So thanks. For whoever wrote that, <laughs> I wish I could credit you. You posted on IMDb and I appreciate it. Message us if you made that. <laughs> we'll credit you. Now, hit me with that trailer audio so we can get the full picture here. What is happening? What is all of this? Did you see that article? Every year, these liberal elites kidnap a bunch of normal folks like us and hunt us for sport. The last I heard, free speech still exists. Don't First Amendment me. It wasn't real. Everybody get out of here! We were joking. There's been a killing spree. You gotta come here right now. You actually believed we were hunting human beings for sport. <laughs> but you are. It came out on Friday the 13th. Oh. That's funny. That's what we get also, for not getting Friday the 13th anymore. Yeah. Also. That trailer was funny. That was good. Mm -hmm. That was a quick, snappy trailer. I mean, it's, this is also one of those movies where you don't really expect to be like, things need to be saved for to be revealed when you're actually watching it. Like, it is the concept of the film. Yeah. So, I, th I think it was done well. They also, they did do a bad job in that they showed a lot of the reveals of who was the hunters, like the Ma and Pa, it showed that they mm, were hunters, but it true. did a really good job of not showing like who's getting killed at any given point. Mm. So uh, you're right. Like one of these movies is almost like the Hunger Games where it's not a matter of who's going to be killed, but like in what order and by what manner. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's all you want to see. So it, it did a good job of not showing those. And it featured it heavily featured Emma Roberts, who I didn't even put in my stars, blah, blah, blah section because she dies. Spoilers in the first like five minutes of the movie. Not even. But that trailer makes her seem like she's the final girl, which I thought was cool. Which one? She's very like big in horror films. She's oh, a scream okay. queen. Ah, okay. Yes. I definitely wasn't Googling her name to see what she's been in. <laughs> uh, you know me. I'm bad at names in I general. Mean, yeah, it, that's fine. 
She's also people have like this petition that they really want her to be a survivor in Dead by Daylight. Ooh, that'd be good because of how much stuff she's done. And I was like, yeah, I could see that for sure. She is in Scram 4. Yeah. But do you have thoughts about this film? I do. Uh, So a major plot point of this movie is that all of the killers are like, as they say in the trailer, liberal elites. Um, And they have this way of speaking where they bring up a lot of the like inclusive language nowadays, but in a very like awkward ham fisted way Mm. that I actually really like. And I have a very specific reason as to why I like it, which honestly is probably the reason that it's there. But at first, it almost made it seem like they were making fun of an inclusive speech, um, talking about like non-gendering, being inclusive, inclusive about marginalized genders and races and stuff like that. But it's it's very ham fisted and weird, but it shows the disconnect between them and the and actually the marginalized people that they think they are helping by saying these things. It's literally performative. Mm-hmm. Um, they call out. So, like, I have a bunch of examples. Uh, they call out one guy for wearing a kimono while they are actively deciding who they want to kill in the manner. Mm-hmm. They argue about using gendered phrases while hanging out in the bunker that bunker that they had used to snipe people at the beginning of the hunt. Yeah. Um, They talk about how it's okay to use the word black because NPR said they could um, (laughs) while cleaning up the bodies. While they're cleaning dead bodies in their store. And the owner of their company doesn't even really care that people are getting killed. What he cares about is the optics of it and that like the um, everybody in the world thinks that they are actually killing people. But he doesn't give a shit if it's real. He just cares how it looks. Nobody cares about the people. And even like as they're saying all these things, they never actually talked to marginalized groups to figure out like how they should be inclusive, like what words they should use. They just did what their peers and the media said they should be doing. And let's not forget, too, that they're also rich AF. Yeah, they could be actually making real change for people who are suffering, for people who need assistance. And they aren't exactly. And like their biggest concerns and the ways that they think that they're helping don't do anything because at the end of the day, they're still just killing people. Like they're one of their major concerns was they can't have anyone who's not white as part of the hunt because that looks, that's problematic. Mm-hmm. It, it's problematic but, in their soup, in their secret murder hunt. Yeah. That they might have a non-white person that they're killing. Also the logic of like you guys made this you took this joke and spread it like wildfire that it was actually real that this was actually happening so you know what we're gonna do we are gonna do it yeah we're gonna become the monsters that you say we are it's like it's exactly the same thing as like corporations changing their branding to like rainbows for a month um they want you to think that they care but it's all surface level and under the surface they're all still killing people yeah so i i as as like awkward as it's presented in the movie, it is, I think, very realistic and serves that purpose of like reflecting exactly what the problems in corporate uh, corporations and capitalism is. Totally. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. My second point is that this movie does a really good, good job at making you immediately like or dislike people. Oh, okay. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> you immediately know who someone is too. They're all kind of caricatured. Yeah. I wrote that it's it's almost like a cartoon in how characterized they are. Like the all of the people getting hunted, it's like redneck, guy from Florida, sweatpants Karen, um obviously like a uh conspiracy theorist gun nut, 
And it's bad that people are being like stereotyped that way. But it's not the point of the movie to be like, oh, they look like this, but they're actually different. Like Crystal is that she's the one that's like she looks like a redneck hillbilly and acts like one. But she's actually like well read and has trauma and and she's a deep character. But everybody else is just there for us to enjoy seeing murdered. In fun ways. Exactly. <laughs> and and the movie does a really good job of not making you feel bad for enjoying that. Like, yeah, everybody you see get murdered in horrendous ways is immediately introduced as this is a pretty bad person. We're not going to get into their life. Now they're dead. That's it. Yeah. Um. Even like people that die and you're like, oh, I feel bad. She's like, fuck you, snowflake, and grabs the gun and shoots herself. And it's I don't know. It's just like a, it's it's an easy watch because there's no second level to that. Um, and the movie knows you're going to enjoy watching people get murdered. That's what makes it like a horror film, because it kind of doesn't even really fit the horror genre, except for all the gore. Like the first kill, she stabbed someone in the eye because he woke up early on the plane. And then like that's like the worst CGI ever when she pulls out the <laughs> eyeball with the whole like connective tissue and whatever. And it's like dangling. And there's like explosive arrows, the mines, so many different ways to yeah. die. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually makes me think like um, it is sort of like a classic slasher because back in the day when like Friday the 13th first came out, who are the people who are the quote unquote deplorables that you want to see? It's the pot smokers and the people having sex. And and those are all the introduction you get. And then they're all violently murdered by some big axe wielding maniac. But now it's they're a Karen. They're, you know, <laughs> mansplainers and stuff like that. And those are the people we want to see die. Right, folks? Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, The only two people uh, that you're made to like in this movie are Crystal and Orwell. <laughs> <laughs> the little pig. Yeah. And Dawn gets they that were pig like, killed. <laughs> yeah. They were so pretentious about like this whole like layering too, like the characters, not the film being pretentious, but they were like, we're going to make it edgy by literally playing out Animal Farm and give them all Animal yeah. Farm character names. And when they open the box that has their weapons, there's going to be a real pig in it. Do you get it? And like, <laughs> oh, my God. I roll. Meanwhile, they don't think that they're going to get it. Like they think that everybody's too stupid to understand their very blatant reference. Yeah. Um, And like, and even with the killers, like we immediately hate them because like the first thing we see is um, uh, Dennis from Always Sunny treating the staff poorly. Yeah. The flight attendant. Yeah. Then we like, we are slowly realizing like how shit these people are, but they're all introduced in ways that it's like, ugh. And then you, you hear more from them. You're like, ugh. And they rationalize like that it wasn't cool to kill him before it even started. That's like real murder. Yeah. And like, what kind of twisted world do you live in? Totally. It's probably because it's not legal. They probably went to a country where it's legal and therefore they think that it's moral, I guess. I don't know. And even like uh, Athena, her one of her biggest gripes was that people kept calling her house a manor. And it's like... They're also pretty worried about you killing people and you're upset that people are mislabeling your house. And it's not mislabeled. It's fucking huge. For us, maybe not for the liberal elites. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, <sighs> for both of those two points, I think it, the movie did a really good job of making you not feel guilty watching it, I guess. And yeah. feeling really modern in its portrayal of people. It was definitely supposed to be fun and they achieved that for sure. 
Exactly. I'm enjoying this cocktail. I'm about halfway done. Nice. I'm almost done. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for Whispers from Beyond. From beyond. This is the part of our show where we read your reviews and your email slash DMs, give extra special shout outs to folks. And today, this is a present for everybody, especially those who live in Canada slash the West Side, because we are running a giveaway for two passes to see Smile in -hmm. Vancouver. It's written and directed by Parker Finn and stars Sozie Bacon. Which is funny because we were talking so much about Friday the 13th. Kevin Bacon (laughs) was in the first Friday the 13th. And we have two passes to give away. So make sure you check out our social media for the info. You just have to let us know what your favorite scary movie is. And Kelly and I really wanted to be able to see this film in theaters. But of course, being immunocompromised, we're not going to movie theaters. But if it's safe for you, we encourage you to do so. But of course, wear a mask. Yes. After witnessing a bizarre, traumatic incident involving a patient, Dr. Rose Cotter starts experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain. Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality where people smile at you <laughs> in a very that wasn't creepy part way. Of the description, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> the two uh, things about that movie. One, did you see that Twitter post where they had like put people in the audience of a baseball game to like stand and smile? Yeah. Like the movie. Spooky. Uh, very creepy. Great marketing. And then after that, I had when I went to sleep that night, I had a really, really long dream about the movies. Spoilers. It was aliens the whole time. Um, Yeah, I I got an advanced screening in my dream (laughs) Um, because the marketing department apparently paid for uh, a spot in my dreams. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How expensive is that? Uh, I'm pretty cheap. All right. We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. This season of Drinking and Screaming would not be possible without the continued support of Mad Lab Distillery. Support the show and Mad Lab Distillery by trying some of their handcrafted products. You can get their awesome stuff at a private liquor store near you or at madlabdistilling.com. Evil Amy is once again sponsoring our show. Included in our package was a leprechaun pop figure with a devilish grin in his best St. Patty's Day attire. You can get yours if you're having your own, you know, villain collection that you like to keep of pop figures. They ship globally at EvilAmyStarishop.com and use code EVIL10, all caps, no spaces, for 10% off your purchase. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream, on Facebook at drink and scream, and you can email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. For more information and to buy some merch, go to drinkingandscreaming.com. It's time to... Punch in back to the episode. Gotta make that money. Cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> Capitalism. <laughs> it's time for my thoughts, which I'm gonna I'm really surface level today. I feel like this movie deserves the surface level enjoyment of mm. it. And my first point is gonna be go women! Yay! This movie had a very detailed, authentic and elongated action sequence at the end of it. And it was very much like a John Wick movie, how 
It was very action focused, a lot of fight choreography, some different weapons being thrown in. And also a lot of like those funny aha moments that Mm -hmm. frequently happen in action films. And these women just worked super hard to choreograph that, do it well with the help of their stunt doubles, of course. And you don't really get to see a lot of action sequences like this where the whole montage is just women, just ladies. And like, I can't even think of one. If I ever even like thinking of any women in action films that do get a chance to do some fight choreo, it's always like a little throwaway thing. It's never this this moment, this big moment, the payoff of the movie. Yeah, I feel like there was a couple in the Matrix trilogy and then probably in those movies that I haven't seen, like Lucy and um, what's the violent one, violent something, neon something. I don't know. I don't know that last one, but. Even in the Matrix, though, like the women aren't the enemy. Yeah. So it does feature one woman, but not everybody involved being women. Mm -hmm. We need more layered female villains. Yeah. Yeah. And that this female villain wasn't a mom or a teacher or a nurse or a waitress. Yeah. She was a CEO. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) ex-CEO. Yeah. Both Athena, the villain, and Crystal, the final girl, were super strong, resourceful people, which I really appreciated. I even like the throwaway line um, with, I want to say, Liberty in the bunker um, after Crystal like murders everybody. Liberty is on the ground and Dawn is like, wait, you can't kill her. And Crystal's like, do you think that you should be given privilege just because you're a woman? And Liberty's like, no. And then she gets shot in the face. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which brings me to my next point, just being that I had to call out the comedy, which I thought was very well done. There was a lot of snippy one liners, the overtop kills, you know, oh, God, I almost I thought that was going to hit me. Thank God. (laughs) Dead by the next arrow or whatever. And I find that like horror comedy usually misses the mark for me. I don't love a lot of horror comedies, except for the ones that like are famous for being super, super great. Yeah. Um, One of which I was about to say, but I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it because you don't know it's a horror comedy. So I'm not going to say it, but if you know, you know. How I don't know what you're talking about. We did it on the show. We've done a lot of things on this show. That doesn't (laughs) narrow it down. (laughs) Well, you'll never know. I'll tell you after the episode. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it was just a very well-paced film. It was really fun. I almost feel like I want more out of the ending, but I don't even know what I want out of it. I was kind of left a little unsatisfied, but Mm. I think through our discussion, especially with your points about this like performative nature of the allyship, maybe that that is all I needed Hmm. because I was like, there needed to be a bigger lesson or something. But I don't know. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. Yeah, it was sort of like I agree that it was kind of like not an abrupt ending because there was that really long fight sequence, but almost a strangely positive ending for such a chaotic movie. Like it just, it ends with crystal taking all the expensive stuff and hanging out on the plane. That dress she wore was beautiful. Yeah. And she got a free dog. (laughs) Yeah. And the like $250,000 champagne, which was featured in the fight sequence of like, Oh God, we're breaking everything, but (laughs) don't let that champagne (laughs) bottle fall. No more windows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I I can see what you mean, but I also thought that it was, it was almost like a break from the chaos. She, cause Crystal had just been on, turned up to 11 the entire movie and then one and kind of got to just chill at the end there. 
Yeah. Agreed. But that's it for me. Nice. Um, all right. Well, I have found myself in the woods and uh, got a ball gag in my mouth. That's normal. That was already there. Um, <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. And uh, I found this crate in the middle of the uh, open field, opened that. And inside was this strange book bound with human flesh, screaming off into the oblivion and a pig who ran away. So with nothing else to do, I guess it's time to open the Hey. Or well there. <laughs> Get back here, pig. <laughs> this is where we recommend movies that you, we think you should watch if you enjoyed this one or enjoyed hearing about this one. Kelly, what are you recommending? I'm recommending The Final Girls from 2015. I just realized I checked if I recommended it this season. I forgot to check if you recommended it this season. But fuck it. Uh, we sort of <laughs> slept on this movie because I didn't realize it was from 2015. But it's one of the movies we watched during our hiatus, uh, during the heavier moments of the pandemic. Uh, It's about a daughter of an actress who gets pulled into one of her old films, a very Friday the 13th style horror movie. Um, It's pretty campy (laughs) Uh, and great. Um, That's the final girls from 2015. It's so good that just you bringing it up. I'm like, oh, do we want to watch that after dinner? (laughs) I remember that being really good and I don't remember the ending. So it is on Netflix, Netflix. I believe. Yeah. I remember the ending because my memory is great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to recommend Mayhem from 2017, which features Steven Yeun, my favorite actor, um, and it's a virus that's like a rage zombie virus type thing, but they don't become completely undead. They just become slightly unhinged. And he goes into corporate America to just fuck shit up and nice. murder asshole elitists. <laughs> I was trying to think of the word, you know, CEOs and upper the management. liberal elite. <laughs> yeah, but it's not so much liberal, but yeah. Um, and it's kind of, you know, during that still like apocalypse theme vibe. Which was I really enjoyed. So that's Mayhem from 2017. <gasps> Scaredy facts. This is the part of the movie where everyone in corporate America is dead and we get an opportunity to drink some fancy champagne, lay in bed and read some trivia about the movie we just watched. <gasps> and we invite you to do so as well. I just finished my cocktail and that ro- sprig of rosemary that you left in the cup pickled my nose in the best way. Nice. I was afraid it was going to leave a bunch of rosemary leaves in your drink. <laughs> I only got two of them nice. and, and it was OK. I don't mind. It was so. worth it for the fresh, fresh sprig. I don't have much scary facts, but I tried to pick the, the best ones of the, the few that were available. <sighs> it had an estimated 14 million dollar budget. And the gross worldwide is 40.2 million. Hey, so good job. More than tripled their money. Wait, not more than tripled, but you know, more they than did well. Multiplied their money. <laughs> more than double. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, the movie was pulled from its original September 2019 release due date because of mass shootings. It was rescheduled to March 13th, 2020, but then. If we know anything about March 2020, that was when COVID happened, which drastically affected the box office results because a lot of theaters had to close. After like a week of being in theaters, they even released. It was one of the first films to be released uh, for digital purchasing or like rentals at $20 uh, of showing for like three day weekend or whatever. This is a pretty fucked up world that I can't even remember which mass shooting that was. Yeah, there was. 
quite a few since then. Yup. Yup. <laughs> when Ma asks, will there be sugar after the rebellion? This is a direct quote by Molly the Horse from Animal Farm, written by George Orwell and published on the 17th of August, 1945. <gasps> there are many, many, many Animal Farm references, the biggest of which is calling Crystal Snowball. But of course, every person that was captured gets their own Animal Farm nickname. And there are a few other tidbits. Oh, in there. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Should I read? Animal Farm. It's pretty short if you haven't read it yet. Yeah, I think it was one of the books that we were supposed to read, but our English teacher thought that we would get something out of a different book more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I read it in like grade eight. Yeah, that sounds about right. Fun fact, the pig in the movie was treated as an equal on set that had full access to all of the human catered meals. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Was there only one pig then? Yeah, it was the pig. (laughs) Good job, pig. And I have to give, this is my final scaredy fact. The final fight, gotta give it some love, was choreographed by five women. Heidi Moneymaker was the lead choreographer with input from both actresses, Betty Gilpin and Hilary Swank. And of course, their respective stunt doubles. Sick. I'm surprised that there wasn't a a scaredy fact about why Hilary Swank was not shown for like 30 minutes. Especially because she was revealed in the trailer. Yeah. Which is strange to me. It felt very meta that they wouldn't show her face for a very long time. Yeah. Because it's like, I think maybe why? it's because she has such a reputation. Like when I think of Hilary Swank, I think of P.S. I Love You and a lot of other like romantic movies. Oh. So her being the villain maybe was like a whoa. Is that really Hilary Swank? So they needed to make you hate Athena first and then saw who Athena was. I guess that's my theory. The only thing I could think of. I do feel like a lot of big Hilary Swank fans would be able to recognize her voice. But what I mean, yeah, I knew who she was immediately. But. I just wanted to know why they did that. And there was no <laughs> satisfaction. No, sorry. I don't know. <laughs> do you have a final thought? I do. Um, sometimes when we watch movies for a second time for the show, I'm like, there's a little tinge of like ADHD dread about consuming something that I n- n- don't necessarily like choose to do again. That sounds terrible, but it's just my, neuro- I'm not my neurodivergence. Um, this one, like I immediately was like, heck yeah, let's watch it again. There was no procrastinating when we needed to watch it. Um, the day we were like, Hey, we should watch it today. I ended work and I'm like, all right, let's watch the hunt now, (laughs) which is honestly just a sign of like how easily consumable and fun this movie is that even with my normal procrastination ADHD mind, I was like, fuck yeah, let's watch the hunt right now. That's awesome. Yeah. My final thought is very much a similar vein. I think it's also a great movie to have on. We talk about like party movies. This is a great party movie because of all the fun kills and Halloween's right around the corner. So put this on your list if you haven't seen it yet. We didn't spoil all the cool kills. So you still got a reason to watch it. Yeah. Even then watch it anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's been The Hunt, a movie about a probably very real thing that happens in our hellscape of a world. No, I don't love that. Next week, we'll be starting Halloween extravaganza. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be watching movies that we think are perfect to get you in the Halloween mood. We've tried to pick a variety of genres so that there's something for everybody. We're going to start off with Dash Cam from 2021, which I'm super excited about because it's the same team that made Host, which we are so obsessed over. (laughs) 
very excited. Not to overhype this. I kind of did. Oh, God. Pressure. It's the best movie of 2021. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and remember, always scream responsibly. Bye. Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and logo designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll, voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drink and scream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com. 